We're doing things a little bit different today. I don't know if that has anything to do with losing power a half an hour before service started, but that might have something to do with it. <laughs> so, you know, when, when the power went out, we're like, well, this will be interesting, but, you know, I, I think it was uh, Heidi had said, well, Jesus didn't have power. It's like, well, not electricity, right. <laughs> but, um, but it's all good, and we, we certainly had a plan for even if... Um, if we were going to be here without power, we still had a way we were going to record the message to, to share it online. So uh, we just thank God for, for his provision in all those things. And, uh, and certainly our flexibility for all the team as we, as we do that each and every day. But anyway, welcome to church this morning. It's good to see everybody's smiling face. And uh, it's always uh, a special time when we can sit here and, and stand here and worship our God together. Uh, several announcements that we have. Um, first, I wanted to say, you know, I, I appreciate that we remembered 9-11, uh, 20th anniversary. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you see more and more people talk about how it affected them personally when, when you look on social media and whatnot. And while we may be hours from where that was, I know that many, many people were affected personally by that. And I'm glad that we could remember that as part of our prayer together. So several things that are happening during the week, each and every week that we always like to point out. Um, the first is we have a men's and a ladies Bible study uh, going into their second week um, each Wednesday night at 630 here at the church. Um, men are down in the basement. The women are right here in the back. Uh, it's one of those studies where you don't have to be at every one to be able to follow. You know, it's not like you're watching a soap opera and you don't know who the characters are uh, week to week. But it, show up when you can show up. Pop in when you can. We're always glad to, uh, to have you. There's also an opportunity, if the evenings don't work for you, there's a ladies' Bible study here Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Uh, and I don't know as much about the format of that one, but it's one that, uh, that happens each and every week. August, or October 15th will be our first men's breakfast, kind of restarting that. So that's, a, that's exciting to, to uh, you know, get some of the guys together and have breakfast and uh, a short devotion and share a little bit of the time on a, on a Saturday morning. Um, we also announced a while ago that we're doing dinner groups. So those dinner groups have already been assigned and, and they're going to start meeting probably this month. Um, but if you'd like to participate in a dinner group and you hadn't already signed up, just see me after. We have, we have um, a spot we can put you for that. So we encourage you to participate in, in those ministries. It's just a way to get to know the people you may see here or, or that you don't see here, but a way to um, you know, get to know people a little bit more than you would uh, otherwise. So that's always exciting, and, and you're eating. So, I mean... It's good food at best, right? So that's always fun. It's a potluck outside the church. Um, we also wanted to thank you for your tithes and offerings. We certainly couldn't do what we do here uh, without your faithful giving. Uh, somebody made a, a comment saying, see, they turned our lights off. You've got to give to the Lord. <laughs> and then the lights came on. But uh, we thank you for your tithes. Uh, you know, we also have an opportunity to give towards missions. We support uh, three families that are overseas missionaries, the White family, the Masseys, and the Schlegels. 
they all serve uh, as missionaries in, in foreign countries. Um, and I don't recall where they all are, but they usually don't talk about where they are because usually when you're a missionary, you're in a place where you're not supposed to talk about, you know, trying to convert them from whatever religion they may or may not be a part of. But uh, just know that we do support uh, three overseas missionaries through uh, the Wesleyan Church's um, Global Partners um, Ministry. And um, if you want to give towards them, just indicate an amount towards missions, and that will support them. Um, each morning we also record, in addition to putting the service live um, online, we also record the audio of the welcome and announcements and the, and the message and then we put that on a podcast, so if you listen to podcasts, open whatever your podcast software is and search for us, and, and you'll find over 290 different you know, messages that we've had going back probably around 290 weeks, right? <laughs> Good math, right? <laughs> um, it's just... Can I just add something? Okay. Thank you, Marcia. She, we, we put a, a morning devotional on um, uh, our Facebook page. Uh, it's uh, from commonprayer.net. It's just, uh, it's like three or four minutes, and uh, it's always there if you want to catch on. I'm glad that you're enjoying that, Marcy, or Marcia, Marcy. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm going to come and read today's scripture reading, so I'm already here. Um, we're reading today from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 26, um, and this is also um, the focus of the message this morning. I'm reading from the NIV version, which reads, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy will be destroyed is death. Amen. So our uh, guest speaker today um, is Janice Brooks. Janice uh, attends the Plattsburgh House of Prayer, and we're excited and glad to have her join us today and bring her message. And uh, she said this is the first time she's spoken outside her, her church, but we're your church too, so thank you so much for coming. Thank you. And That's it. Thanks. For that was a good correction. I have never spoken. To, I have spoken to the church. This is not my first time. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> thank you. Thank you. What I have is, um, today we're speaking on the resurrection, and I had notes um, so that you could follow along. You want to pass them out? Sure. Um, 
It makes it easier um, to follow along. Um, I, I enjoyed he read out of the New International Version. Um, and sometimes when, I, when you're speaking, people have like three, four different versions, so we're trying to, you read along and trying to concentrate, and in this way, you have the opportunity. Um, all the scriptures that are there, I'll just let you know ahead of time, are out of the New American Standard. That's usually the Bible that I study out of, unless told differently. It might say the New Living Translation. It's only because as I that, that translation really hit it on the, you know, the nail on the head, a good way of putting it, so. I'm normally, and that's why you're getting notes, I, 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 I never have considered myself a preacher. I've, I'm a lover of the word and love to teach the word, and so I tend to teach a, a teaching format, and that's why the notes. Um, so we're gonna be talking about the resurrection this morning. Um, I'm considering, um, and I know that I, I'm not going to have enough time. Uh, I'll only have enough time to give you glimpses of, of what I would, of the whole thing that I would like you to be able to see, that the Lord would like you to be able to see, what he put in his word. He, he gives us more in his word, but our, the problem is they're, they're in bits and pieces here, a little bit here, and a little bit there, and a little bit there, and a little bit there, and you have to be a student of the word to be able to connect those dots and see the big picture. And I'm gonna only be able to give you glimpses of some of those dots, and I encourage you to be people of the word so that you yourself begin to connect the dots, you find them yourself. So search the scriptures yourself. Anything I speak today, I encourage you to get in the word and see if it is so. That's what, um, when Paul was speaking to the, the Bereans, he, they went home and they searched the scripture to see if it was so, and Paul called that noble. It is noble when somebody teaches you or speaks to you that you don't take it, you know, hook, line, and sinker. You go home and search the scriptures and see if it's so. God calls that noble-minded uh, I think the ESV calls it noble-minded, and so I encourage you to this, do the same. So let's pray first. We're going to begin prayer. Father, we come before you, and we're asking. We're asking for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, open our eyes of our understanding that we may know you in greater measure. For the more we know you, the more we will love you. Father, we're asking to be lovers of truth, to desire truth enough to go and enter the word and study it for ourselves. Father, I'm asking you to be honored today by every word that is spoken and every word that we respond to, that our response would be honorable to you. Father, we're asking, I ask for your spirit to help me as I, I uh, try to convey what you yourself has spoken. And we're asking God for understanding and a grace to respond wholeheartedly to what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. We're going to start reading. It's going to be out of 1 John 2, 3, verses 2 through 3. You have that in your notes. We know that when he appears, he is Jesus, when he appears, we will be like him because we see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope 
set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. It says here when he appears, when Jesus appears, we are going to be resurrected in his likeness. And as followers of Jesus, this is our hope. This, this is what our hope is supposed to be. It's the very hope that encourages us. Matter of fact, John says it's the very hope that compels us to live holy lives. Without that hope, we don't have the, the encouragement to live holy until that day. So we're compelled to live holy lives. Yet we know very little about this hope. I haven't, I've been in the church now for 49 years I came to know the Lord, 49 years ago. And the amount of messages on the resurrection that I've heard from a pulpit have been about a handful. It's mentioned, it's talked about, it's part, but to have it something that's very important and expounded on uh, continually to the church is, is very rare. And yet John tells us it's the very hope that we need to to use to compel us to purify ourselves. It's mentioned, but it's not necessarily taught continually. John 8 says, it is this very hope that we are saved. In this very hope, the hope of the resurrection, it's in this that we're saved. 1 Peter 1.13 says, put all your hope. The, NA, uh, the New American Standard says it this way, set your hope completely. We're to set our hope completely in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So today we're going to break down and we're going to look at the resurrection and we're going to look at it in pieces. We're going to break down the scripture that was read earlier, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 26. And there's three things I want us to get out of it and be able to to be able to verbalize. One is how many resurrections are there? Two, who takes part in each of them? And when are they? So let's read 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 26. I know we read it, but we're going to read it again. But the fact is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man death came, and by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Now I want you to listen as we go on. Paul gives us a timeline. He begins to set up a timeline for us. He says, Christ is the, he says, but each come in his own order. Christ is the first fruit. After that, those who are Christ at his coming, and then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom to our God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that will be abolished is death. So at the end, there is an, a, another abolishing of death, where death is no more. So you see the timeline. You have Christ, the first fruits. You have those that are in Christ, or those who are believers. And then you have, and then the end. So that's what we're going to be looking at, that timeline. So verse 22 through 23 says, For as in Adam all die, 
That means even Jesus. Jesus came as a human being, and once he took on human flesh, it doesn't make sense to us, but all after Adam, all men die. Even Jesus had to die because he became a man. So also Christ, all will be made alive, and each in his own turn. The thing is to remember, when Christ came and became a human, he became a human, and it's hard to understand, he became a human forever. When he left and took on a human form, he remains in that human form. Even today, he remains in that human. It's a resurrected human form, but it's a human form. He comes back in a human form. It's a resurrected, glorified human form, but it's still a human form. And we can get clues about our resurrection human form from what? From Christ. So let's look first in order. The first to be risen from the dead is 1 Corinthians 15, 23. says, Christ is the first fruits. He's the very first one to be resurrected from the dead. There were people who were raised from the dead. Um, what was Mary and Martha's brother? Lazarus. He, was, he, was, he came back to life, but he was not resurrected. There's a difference there. Jesus was the very first one the scripture says, to be resurrected, resurrected with a new body. Lazarus, when he was raised to life again, he wasn't resurrected. He ended up living out his life and having to die just like everybody else. What was very interesting, this is, I'm just thinking of this now. When Jesus, when the power came and raised Jesus out of that grave, the scripture says that in Jerusalem, there were these people that were dead and came to life again and were walking around. And all I could think this, the power that it took that God sent to raise Christ from the dead, it said there was earthquakes and the ground shook. There was so much power to raise Jesus from the dead that it spilled over on others and brought life back into their bones. I always thought that was such an interesting, but it gets to show the, the amount of power that it's going to take for us to be raised from the dead. Can you imagine that was when he raised Jesus? What is he going to do when he comes back and he raises every single person who has believed in God from Adam all the way up to every, how much power that's going to take? That's going to be such an interesting time to be a part of that power. I've never felt that kind of power. Um, so that's going to be interesting. So let's go back. That was, well, that was just a tip. That's just something. <laughs> Um, I found interesting. So there's other scriptures. Christ is the first fruits. We find the same thing in Revelations 1.5. It says from Jesus Christ, he's the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead. So Jesus is the first to rise. Then it goes on, Colossians 1.18 says, he also is the head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that he himself will come, will have first place in everything. And in the third place, like I said, there's clues all over where, about the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it says, but the fact is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. We have a tendency, when we think of Christ's body, um, when we think of Jesus being resurrected, we have a tendency to almost see him as a, as a spirit, sort of like what Thomas did. Remember when, he, when Jesus entered in the room 
with the other disciples, the other apostles, and Thomas was there. And what did Jesus say? I'm, you know, Tom, put your fingers in my hands. Feel the, feel the, the bone and the flesh. Do ghosts have bones and flesh? Jesus did, did not come back as a spirit, and he is not a spirit. He has bones and flesh. It is still very real, very materialistic. That's, we do have a tendency, I, mean, I had a tendency, to think of Jesus as, as some that etherealness, a spirit, but he isn't. The Holy Spirit he sent, but he himself is physically raised from the dead. After the resurrection, he was still human, and he's still human, but a resurrected human. Then we're going to go on to Acts 3.21. It says, heavens must, received, must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. Just a little bit about Jesus. What's happening to Jesus now? Where is Jesus now after he's been resurrected? He's in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He hasn't received his throne right now. He's sitting by the Father, by the Father's throne, waiting for the Father until the time when the Father says, now is the time to restore everything and you will get your own throne. Jesus is yet to come for his bride. He's yet to come for his bride. She's still being prepared. You and I is still being prepared. The church is still being prepared. He's yet to receive his kingdom where he rules on David's throne. He's yet to rule the nations. He hasn't received that yet. He's yet to rule the nations with justice and mercy and righteousness. He's yet to receive the love and the adoration of all peoples and all nations. He's yet to receive the glorious fullness that he is promised by the Father. So Jesus has resurrected, he's resurrected, but he's yet waiting and he's in heaven, waiting for the Lord to say, the Father to say, now is the time. We're going to move on now to who takes part in the next resurrection. That's the first resurrection. There's a second resurrection. And that says in 1 Corinthians 15, 23, it says, after that, after Jesus the first fruit, after that, those who are Christ's at his coming. Those who are Christ at his coming. Those, the next is those who belong to Jesus. We see the same, the same thing in Matthew 24, 30 through 31. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. <laughs> Then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds and sky with power and great glory. He will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Even Paul, even this resurrection, the second resurrection, the believers in Christ, Paul breaks that down in two different, in, in a particular order, and that's what we're going to go next there's a particular order in which that second resurrection happens. That's what we're going to read out of 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind do, who have no hope. That's the saddest thing. 
Those without Christ have no hope. There is no hope. They have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead so that also God will bring him, bring with him those who are fallen asleep through Jesus. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, <clears throat> with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So in this scripture we see the Lord himself descending from heaven. It's verse 16. He comes with a shout. I wonder what the Lord sounds in his glorified body, him shouting what it sounds like. He comes with a shout. He comes with the voice of the archangel. There's an archangel hollering at the same time. And then there's a trump, the trumpet of God is blasting. That day is going to be the noisiest day you've ever heard. It is going to be a noisy day. And it says, the dead in Christ will rise. Let's look at other places where he talks about the same thing and we'll see the order, again, see the order, that there is an order that we're told about that is Christ, then the believers, but even the believers, they come in a particular order. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14, we do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, you need to hear this message. You need to be informed. You need to be informed of this plan, how God has it set up. You need to be informed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind do, who has no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it says, the dead in Christ will rise first. There's a particular order that first there is those who are already dead and in the grave, and then after that, those who, who are remaining alive. I had a, a, a friend of mine, she was an elderly lady, and, and she had lost her husband. And she, just in times of grief, and, and she was beginning to just she couldn't understand, would she, would she be able to see him again? Was he in the ground? What, what, what was he, was he sleeping in the ground? She said, I can't, you know, I feel sad. And this is the lady who's loved the Lord, you know, for probably, at that time, it probably would have been, I think she came to the Lord at 16, and this is, she would have been probably like 85. She had walked with the Lord, but, but when you're in that middle of that grieving, it began to, to, to turn within in her, not quite understanding. And I remember sitting with her, and, and we, I took out these scriptures, and I went through them with her one piece at a time, that her husband is, 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 is going to come back. You know, her husband is going to come back with the Lord. And when he comes back, his body will be raised up, 
And then she then after that will be raised up if she's still alive and she will meet him in the air. And it gave her such peace, you know, that, that it wasn't that he, that he was coming back and that she, he was going to come and that he was going to really kind of come back and be looking for her to be raised up after so that they could get together after those many years. And it was such a treat to see the scriptures come alive when, when you're in a time of grief. It says, 1 Thessalonians 16, the dead in Christ will rise first. Imagine that. And, and I've sat there and I've tried to imagine that. <laughs> I'm dead in the ground and my spirit comes. My, the, that which makes Janus Janus. I don't know. I don't understand. What's that? My spirit, my soul. But Janus that makes that inner me <laughs> that interacts with God is going to come back with Christ and then my body is going to come up out of the ground and then we're going to get together. And I just, I sit there and I kind of try to imagine that, what that's going to look like and what that's going to feel like. And it's, it's just to get that, that's why it's so important to, to see these scriptures, to ponder them, to imagine them, because when the grief comes, when the hard times comes, it's going to be important that that is really down in you, that it's not something that's pie in the sky, it's, re it's as real to you as this table. And, and it's important to have that so that you can grasp it. So take the time to imagine these things. Take the time. Even those, which is another thing is to imagine, even those that are in heaven right now, those who have passed on and are with the Lord, that even though that they're in heaven, they have not received what they're hoping for. They haven't received all that they've hoped for. They are awaiting the resurrected body. That's what they're waiting for. That was what, that's what our hope is. I mean, it is true, absent with the body, we are present with the Lord. Paul said that. But that in itself is not what we hope for. We're waiting for the two to come together, the spirit and the body, and that's our hope. That's what we're waiting for. It says, then those alive and remain will be caught up. So those who are alive, that's the next, those who are alive and remain will be caught up. 1 Thessalonians 7, 4.17 says, then, we're going, there's an order there, then we who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Who's the them? The them is those who have previously just gotten raised from, their, from the grave. Their spirit has joined their new body and we're going to meet, be greeting and meeting them together in the clouds with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 says, it says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. There's the order again. And what's interesting, all that takes place. It took me how long to just talk about it. All that's going to take place in a twinkling of an eye. You know, talk about splitting seconds, you know, that the, the dead that are with the Lord come back, get new bodies. Those that are alive will, after that will be raised up and we'll meet together in the Lord. And that all happens in a twinkling of an eye. It all happens in a split second. It's quick. But the dead who will rise 
The dead will rise first, and those who are alive will receive new bodies and join them in the air. The Spirit, through John the Baptist, I'm not the Baptist, John the Apostle, excuse me, John the Apostle tells us that this is the first resurrection. It's called the first resurrection. So Jesus was the first fruits, but it's called the first resurrection. You read it in Revelations 24 through 6. Um, I'm going to skip down because um, we're running out of time. We're going to start with the, uh, at the end of the verse 4. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has part of this first resurrection. Blessed, he says, blessed. <laughs> blessed and holy is the one who takes part in this first resurrection. Philippians 3.21 says, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Jesus died not to only save our souls, but he died to redeem our bodies, our flesh. That's what he died. He also died for that. Bodies that are having substance and bodies that have material, transforming our bodies into a glorious body. They will have substance. I looked up that word substance, substantial. It, it means material. It means touchable. It means get a hold of it. And when we meet our loved ones that have gone on before us, the opportunity to, to hug them again, you know, they're not ghosts. We're going to, you know, squeeze and where'd they go? No, it's, it's, it's an actual, the ability to once again, um, that's what I tell my, I think my friend, when we talked about once again, that you'll be able to kiss your husband and, and hold his hand. You will recognize him as who he is. Um, our roles in that day is a whole other subject on its own, but, uh, but it's very real. We'll have substantial physical bodies. They'll be immortal and be glorified, but they will be real and substantial. Revelations 5.10 says, You ransom people from, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They will reign on the earth. On the earth. When Jesus comes back to rule on the earth, we will reign on the earth with him. Jesus made, goes on and makes an outstanding promise. He makes an outstanding statement concerning rewards in the future. And I want us to turn to that in Matthew 19, 29. It's right there. It says, this is Jesus talking. His apostles were asking them, what, said something about, well, we've left everything for you. And this is Jesus' response. Everyone who's given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. See, this statement is stunning if you think about it. It's stunning that he's saying it's not just spiritual rewards that you're going to get. It's going to involve material blessings. It's going to involve um, physical blessings, material blessings. It's going to, the rich young ruler had the opportunity, the rich young ruler was not willing to follow, give up everything and follow him. And Jesus said that he ended up, would end up losing everything. But those who give up everything to follow Jesus now will gain everything back 
all of it back and more. It says multiplied more. He says, and many times, 100 times more. If you're a math, what's an exponent? Exponent, exponential. It's multiplied. We'll get multiplied back more. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, but wait until the Lord comes and then praise will come to each person from God. So it's not just spiritual rewards, it's physical rewards. So who's left? We're going to quickly finish this up. Who's left? And that's all the rest. Everyone that has not received Christ, then at the end, and we're going to quickly read through that one. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, As in Adam all die, so also all will be made alive. Everyone comes up from the dead. Everyone's going to die, or, or everyone's going to be raised from the dead. John 5, 28 through 29 is another verse that talks about the two different resurrections, those that know Christ and those who don't. For the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. That's true. Everyone does. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. There's the first. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. We find when does this take place? We're going to go on to Revelations 20. Listen, to, listen how John speaks of it. He says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled, and no place was found in them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things in which they were written in the books according to their deeds. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is a sobering reality. It's a sobering reality. It should bring soberness to us with our neighbors and friends and family that do not know the Lord yet. It's sobering. Matter of fact, it's so sobering that throughout the prophets, they speak often, their message was always repent for the kingdom of God is near or at hand. John the Baptist's message was repent for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus' ministry opened up with repent for the kingdom and respond to the gospel because of the kingdom of God is at hand. It is a very sobering idea and the only response that we can say is repent. Turn to the Lord now while there's time. So we're going to close by repeating First Peter again right from the start where it says, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Lord always has been telling me lately off and on, the spirit has been just, he just reminds me inside what I say, you know. You know what I mean, because you, you all listen to the spirit. <laughs> you know when he's kind of talking to you. And, and he just keeps reminding me, live forward, Janice. Live forward, Janice. Live forward, Janice. And he tells that to me over and over again. When I get in a situation, live forward, Janice. Live forward. And, and this is what the verse is telling us. Set your hope completely for what is coming. Live forward. Christ, our, our focus should be on the prize that is coming. You and I do not live for this age. We live for the age to come. 
and we'll, we'll turn the service back over. <laughs>